Good morning. I want to welcome you to Northwest Community Church. I'm Matt Rice. What we want to do this morning is we want to talk in uh, Philippians chapter 4. It's where we're going to be. So you can go ahead and you could turn to Philippians chapter 4 as we get there. But I want to let you know that everybody remembers the restaurant Golden Corral. <laughs> okay, Golden Corral, meaning this is what happens when you go to a buffet or something like Golden Corral. Golden Corral means that you are in charge. So that means that the kids can go up to the line and they can get anything they want to and they can leave off their plate anything they do not like. So it's dessert, it's mac and cheese, it's everything. So the buffet line basically is a consumer idea where you are completely in charge of everything. You are in charge of whatever you put on your plate, only you can get mad at yourself if you don't like it or not. But, but here's, here's, here's the danger. The danger is if we take that idea and we apply it to the life of those that are in Christ, which means I'm in charge and I will choose what I do and what I believe and when I will do it. There's a, a real big danger if we are to take that buffet theology and apply it to the Christian life, specifically the fruit of the Spirit. That's singular, the fruit of the Spirit. You see, Paul, when he was writing in Galatians chapter five, he was telling us, hey, I don't want your life to look like this. And he makes a list. Jerry talked about it last week. And then he says, but I want your life to be this. And he goes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit is to look like those those things. This is what it looks like to be in the Spirit. This is what it looks like to be following God. But what we have to do is we have to understand that there is no shortcut to the holiness of God because 1 Peter 3.19 says, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So what he's asking us to do is he's saying, I want you to be set apart. I want you to be different from the world. And so the fruit of the Spirit is a way for us to take a look. Hey, are these characteristics, are they characteristics of my life? Is this what I look like? Is this who I am? Because here's what we want here at Northwest during the summer. We don't simply want to waste the summer. Most specifically, we don't want you to waste your life. We want you to be about King Jesus in everything and for all things. We want you to be about him and for him. So what we look at here is we look at specifically through, through the summer is we've been looking at, like last week we took a look at the, the, the characteristic of love. And then this week we're gonna talk about joy. And what does it mean to have the fruit of the Spirit? And what does it mean for us to have the joy of the Lord? One writer said it this way, and I'm going to read a quote for you. It says this, rather than a menu of character qualities from which Christians can choose, Paul was giving a picture in Galatians chapter 5 of the way a life can be changed by knowing Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit. When a person of God meets the Son of God and is on the mission of God, then it's the Holy Spirit that is working in us and through us to where we can see God do something in us that we never thought were possible. We can have a perspective that we never thought were possible. We can enter into situations that we thought, how in the world am I going to get through that? And it's because of the Spirit of the living God. And so when we take a look at today and this summer, we, we simply want us to pause this morning and take a look at the joy that we have in the Lord. And so we're gonna look at 
Philippians 4, 4 through 5. Hopefully you're there. But we want to do a little background because I want to make sure you understand the context of why this verse was written in this way. So we got to take a look at the book of Philippians and just do a little reminder of why we have this book and really what was the idea behind the book. So the book of Philippians can basically said a resources through suffering. The book of Philippians can be summarized as resources through suffering. The book is about Christ in our life, Christ in our mind, and Christ as our goal. And it is Christ as our strength in the midst of joy through suffering. That is really why we have that this book was really written. Paul was writing this book, the book of uh, Philippians, because he had a partnership with the churches in Philippi. He had a great partnership with them that they supported him financially. Paul was in a Roman imprisonment while he was writing this letter. He was chained, he was bound, and he found joy in the Lord. And so that is where we find ourselves looking at this characteristic of joy by taking a look at this book. And I think it's so applicable to today and for us to look at here's a man who was bound, who did not have freedom in the world sense. But as we just sung, he has freedom in Christ. And so he writes this letter from that perspective. It was written 30 years after Christ's ascension and about 10 years after Paul first preached at Philippi, he was writing back to this, this, the churches and he was like trying to get them to understand all they needed to know about him and how they could live for him and, and really a grateful Thanksgiving sort of letter for them. But if we could say, hey, he, he knew that tough things were awaiting them. He was in jail. It was a tough thing that he was going through. He knew that tough things were awaiting them. So God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, spoke through this guy, Paul, so that they could be encouraged. But not only that, we could too. So we're going to take a look at, Joy, I've broken down the message into four questions that we're going to answer. I think it will be really clear as we cover all questions together. Once all questions are answered, I think it will be really clear for us as to what we're looking at today. First question that we're going to look at, I'm going to go through all four of them really quick, and then I'm just going to, we'll take them one at a time. So first question is, what is joy? The second question is, why is this such a strong command? And why is, what is the motivation for such joy? And how does this happen? Like, how does this type of joy, how does it happen? So let's take a look at the verses that I'm going to read, which are found in Philippians 4, 4 through 5. There is one statement right above verse 4 that I'm going to read that brings us into verse 4. So part of verse 3, then all the way to half of verse 5, it says this, whose names are in the book of life. Then he has a period there, and then he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to, to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And so the first thing that we have to take a look at is we're asking or answering the question, what is joy? What is joy? Because all throughout the Bible, we hear this word rejoice and rejoice is used synonymous with the word joy or joy is a synonym for rejoice and rejoice is a synonym for joy. The Greek word translated as joy in Galatians chapter five is this. It means gladness and delight. The word, the word joy means gladness and delight. And, and so basically what we're saying here is, is where is the gladness? Where does this gladness and delight come from? It's found in the very first part of the verse. It says rejoice where? In the Lord. That's where the delight comes from. 
And, and when we take a look at joy and we put that up against happiness, we need to be really, really, really careful. Because the Bible says happy, is the, happy are those whose God is the Lord. And so sometimes in the scripture, happiness and joy are used synonymously together, but what they really mean is, is that joy in that sense is a gladness, a complete independent of good things, a gladness in God that is completely independent of the good or the bad things that come into our life. And you can sit there and say, that is unnatural. Yes, that's exactly right. And that is why it is a fruit of the Spirit. That is why it's the fruit of the Spirit. So it is a supernatural gladness given by God's Spirit that actually seems to show itself at the most difficult times in life. Because you can have joy. I went to a baseball game with my son. I was in Yankee Stadium, of all places, with my son Jake, and they were playing the Boston Red Sox, and the Red Sox won. And I am sitting there on the front row and John Carlos Stanton, maybe I've shared this with you before, but John Carlos Stanton takes a ball after warming up. He made like 252 million Yankee dollars and he turns around and he points to Jake and he throws him the ball, it goes over his head. It hits the guy's hand, it bounces back into play and then he picks it up and he points to me and he throws it to me and I caught it. It did bobble, go up one, but I caught it. This is God, John Carlin. I'm just telling you right now, I'm with my son. There is joy in that. There is happiness in that moment. There is a happy time for us in that moment. But what we are resting in right now is we're resting in a supernatural characteristic that is birthed by God himself that we will never be able to fully explain. But we will forever be so grateful for it because it will surprise us and overwhelm us. For his glory and our good. John Piper says this, but is it true to say that Christian joy is deep and firm rather than superficial and flimsy? It is true. The reason we know that it is, that it is, is that the Bible describes Christian joy as flourishing right in the midst of pain and suffering. Romans 5.3 says, we rejoice in our sufferings. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 says, you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 8.2 says, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy that overwhelms me, I'm just being honest with you, and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of liberality. And yes, you're saying that is impossible. And yes, that is true. So joy is gladness and delight. Don't forget the statement, in the Lord. That is critical because joy is not natural. Here's another statement that I wanna to read to you right now. Ready, here it comes. Pride is natural, but resides in the spirit of man. Envy is natural, but resides in the spirit of man. And so it is with jealousy and anger and strife and self-pity and resentment and bitterness and covetousness and hatred and selfishness. These all come from the inner spirit of a person, but they are not called spiritual in the Bible. They are called natural because no special supernatural influences of the Holy Spirit are needed to produce them. We produce these things by our own nature. They are called natural. 
What makes something spiritual is that it is produced under the special influences of the Spirit of God and has the character of the Spirit of God so that when we say Christian joy is spiritual, not natural, we mean that it is produced by the Spirit of God. And listen, and it is the kind of joy that God has. And that's the kind of joy that I want. So why is this such a strong command? You're sitting here going, Matt, you just said that this is not natural, but then we read this and it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says it two times. So if it's not natural, why does he command it? Other scripture backs up other scripture because we know that there are so many commands in the Bible. I mean, the Bible says, thou shalt not murder, but he didn't say it twice. We got the picture, right? It says it here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Because the presupposition that he is understanding is that we are finding our home in Jesus. That's where we're finding our home. Let me read you down here a couple of verses. Matthew 5, 12 says, Rejoice and be glad for your reward is in heaven. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, these are all commands. Rejoice always. 1 Peter 4, 13 says, Rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. And so why is it a strong command? We look at it in here is because God's a strong God. And what he did is he all throughout the Bible, he instructed us and he commanded us. This is what I want your life to be like. And listen to me, listen to me. Where I have called you to do something, I'm gonna give you the power to do it. So I'm gonna tell you, I want you to rejoice, but I've given you my Holy Spirit that's gonna make that possible. That's what I'm gonna do. So you sit there and you go, I don't have joy. My life is a mess. I can't see straight. He's saying, I want my spirit to overcome you. And I want you to be ready for that to happen. Your joy in Jesus is a witness about the Jesus that you have rooted your life into. And when he says, here is a command, rejoice in the Lord always. What he is declaring, Paul is declaring, he's saying, you're going to go through a lot of junk. And what I want them to see is I don't want them to see you going through your trouble. I want them to see me. And when you find your joy in me, it is a witness to a world. How about the goodness and the graces of goodness and grace of him? And you cannot manufacture that. You all do as you submit to display this joy. So what is the motivation? Let me go back to you and answer the question. Why is it a strong command? The Bible is full of commands. And it's those commands that are there to really help us understand that they are only to be obeyed and answered by giving ourselves over to the spirit of the living God. And number, uh, the second way is that it is a testimony the Bible teaches us in, in, in chapter four, it says, let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone. So reasonableness is your gentle and your humility by which you display this joy. And he says, I want you to show it. To, I want everybody to see it. I want your posture before the Lord to be a posture of worship as you joyfully, joyfully follow after me, regardless of situation or circumstance. So then he asked the question, what is the motivation for such a joy? What is our motivation for such a joy? I gotta let you go back. I know you're probably wondering, why in the world did he, did he include the first part of verse three? This was overwhelming to me. And so I need you to look at what is the motivation for this biblical joy. And I want you to come back 
And I want you to look at the very last part of verse three. In chapter four, verse three, they're talking about a conflict between Euodia and Sinti. And then he comes down, he talks about Clement. And then he makes this statement whose names are in the book of life. What that means is he's talking about fellow believers in Jesus Christ. And let me make sure you understand something. A believer in Jesus Christ who has done what? They have understood that they are a sinner and they are separated from God because of sin. There's nothing they can do to fix that problem. And because that there is a problem, they realize that there is good news and that Jesus came to save them from their sins and they accepted that free gift. Not because of good works, but because of God's grace. He saved them, he redeemed them, they accepted who he is. And what happens, according to the book of Revelation, is that our names are written in what's called the book of life. And so here he says, he talks about some things that are going on in the church. He talks about Clement, and he makes this statement, whose names are in the book of life. And then the very next statement is, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And there is so many great things that we can find joy in when we realize that we have a relationship with Jesus. And he is so overwhelmed. Paul comes down to him and goes, you want to know why? What the motivation is for you to rejoice? The motivation for you to find, to rejoice, the motivation for you to have joy, biblical joy, is when you realize that you have a home in heaven and no one can take it away. No one can take it away. So they're sitting here and he's going like this. There's this stuff that's going on in the church and it's on this level. And he stops and he goes, I want you to look, your name's written in the book of life. He says, now you rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. It is an absolute, 100% bold declaration that I can have joy no matter what comes my way because of my standing before you has been changed, not because of my good works, but because of your great grace. And that is unbelievable. He goes on to say this in verse four. We've talked about this really. I mentioned it earlier. Verse four says, rejoice. I told you, it says, rejoice in the Lord. That's where we find our hope. That's, where, that's who is enough. And then he says again, at the very last part of the verse, the last part, it says this really quick. The Lord is at hand. So here, put it all together right now. In the midst of this, we've got this statement, rejoice, meaning I want you to be joyful regardless of your situation. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I said rejoice. On the top right here, we have your name is written in the book of life. You are saved. You are redeemed. No one can take that away from you. Then he comes down at the bottom and he says, the Lord is at hand. I've said this a couple of months ago in a message that the Lord is the great lifter of our souls. He's the great lifter of our souls. He is the reason that we have joy. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what it says. And so you're asking the question, well, and what I don't want to take you to take away from this is, is that you're gonna go home and you're gonna write down these fruit of the spirit throughout all the summer or even today. Okay, last week, Jerry talked about love. You know, um, share love, see love, and, and, and we have that, and so we're gonna check that one off, and then we go down here and we check joy, got that one, I understand that, so I'm gonna have joy. And then next week, we're gonna talk about, well, Emmanuel's gonna be here from Africa, he's gonna be speaking next week, hope you're all gonna be here for that. And then the following week, we're gonna talk about peace, and so we're gonna talk about peace, and we're gonna check this box, because here's the deal right now, the fruit of the Spirit is not a box for you to check. The fruit of the Spirit is not a box for us to check. And each Sunday that we gather in here today is not to sit there and say, okay, 
We want to challenge you to live this. No, we want to challenge you to camp out at the foot of the cross. When you camp out at the foot of the cross, then therefore you watch the Holy Spirit develop in you this love and you watch the Holy Spirit develop in you this type of joy. You see the goal according to the Apostle Paul who wrote this book that we're talking about is this, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He wasn't seeking a characteristic. He was seeking the Son of God. And he made a declaration, for me to live is Christ. And when I live as Christ, then his Holy Spirit comes in and overwhelms me and I have these characteristics that I did not think were possible. And I see the strength behind the command is the Holy Spirit of God. I have a quote for you. When our life is Christ, when we drink deeply from the blood and take our fill from his body, then joy and peace and holding one's tongue spring up out of Christ's life through ours. You're probably sitting there going, well, how in the world does this happen? Like, how do we do this? How do we do this? I'm glad you asked because I don't want you to walk away with going, well, well okay, well, what do I, I know somebody wants to just, just do. And I'm gonna tell you this right now. I just sat down yesterday and was like, man, I just gotta repent. I just took out a legal piece of paper and wrote down every sin that I felt like it was in my life. I just wanna be clean before holy God. And here's the cool thing, I can and so can you. And I was just asking, God, give me victory here and give me victory in this. And, and, and sometimes we walk and it's, man, I lost my cool here. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said this. Some days we're really in the spirit. We're like, wow, yes, God. And so we're asking the question, how do I do this? And how do we do this? And, and so I, I just thought that it would be really helpful for us is to... Um, is to read this verse in unison together because I think it gives great victory to us to realign our mind over the joy of the Lord is our strength, but where do I have this joy and how do I demonstrate this joy? And I think John 15 verse five answers that question. I want us to read it together. Just think it's beautiful for you to hear, hear us all read this together. Don't miss what it says. It's gonna be very obvious to you. John 15 five says this, are you ready? I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It is not that we do nothing. It is that we abide. It is not that we do nothing. It's that we abide. And that the word abide means home. Our home is Jesus he is enough. And we rest there and we plan our lives there. Jeremiah 17, verses eight and nine, one of my favorite Bible verses of all time. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, for he will be like a tree planted by the water and he will not cease bearing fruit even when the drought comes. And my hope and my prayer is that that is what your life would be like and my life would be like because here is what we're talking about this morning. Paul understands that the church at Philippi, they're going to go through immense trials and tribulations. And what he is doing is he's trying to prepare them for that trial. He's in one himself by being in jail. He's in jail. And he's instructing them. He's commanding them. I want you. I want you 
to give over your life to Jesus. I want him to be the center. I want him to be enough for you. I don't want you to go after these traits or try to go after joy or try to go after love. I want you to go after me. I want you to be for me because he's enough. What is joy? Joy is gladness and delight in the Lord regardless of the situation or circumstances. And it is possible through the Holy Spirit working in our lives like he said he would do. So yes, the Bible's filled with a bunch of commands. And yes, those commands, that's impossible for me to do. That's exactly right. Because the presupposition is that Paul is arguing through the Holy Spirit that he's understanding that you're going to obey by following God and living for him and finding your home in him. Because you do not have the strength to do what he asked you to do. But when we abide in him, that strength of the Holy Spirit comes and this joy is manifested like we've never seen. And I know you're sitting in here right now and you're going, I saw them walk through this and I saw Jesus all over them. This in my illustration is generic, but you can specifically look at someone or something that you can think of that says, I saw an un." natural, a supernatural outflowing of God's spirit when I watch them walk through this. And it's a witness to a lot of people. One of the things that God knows is that we forget <laughs> and we drift. And he said it twice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He says it, he said it twice. We can be hardheaded, amen? Amen. But the reason we have this table right down here with this bread that represents his body and the juice that represents his blood is because we forget and we drift and he doesn't want that to happen in our life. And our joy is at stake when we drift and we forget. And so he created this table, got his disciples together, brought them in. He had bread, he had juice, they had wine. We're using juice today. They brought him in, sat him down at the table, passed it out. He said, you do this in remembrance of me. Don't you forget what I have done for you or what I'm getting ready to do for you. We do not sit around this table or sit out there with something getting ready to happen. It's already taken place. And it is so beautiful for us to be able to remember that this body was given so that we wouldn't forget. And this blood was shed so that we would not have to sacrifice a stinking animal anymore to get forgiveness of sins, that Jesus was without spot or blemish and he came to set us free once and for all. He went on a cross and he made a declaration, it is finished. And it is finished. God, use this time to help us to encounter you. We want our home to be you. Let us abide in you. Let us not forget how good you are. We love you. We pray that the joy that you give would be our strength. Help us to get out of the way. In Jesus' name.